الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين أما بعد فن أبي العباس عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال كنت خلف النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يوما فقال يا غلام إني أعلمك كلمات احفظ الله يحفظك احفظ الله تجده تجاهك إذا سألت فاسأل الله وإذا استعنت فاستعن بالله وعلم أن الأمة لو اجتمعت على أن ينفعوك بشيء لم ينفعوك إلا بشيء قد كتبه الله لك وإن اجتمعوا على أن يضروك بشيء لم يضروك إلا بشيء قد كتبه الله عليك رفعت الأقلام وجفت الصحف رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح في آية غير الترمذي احفظ الله تجده أمامك تعرف إلى الله في الرخاء يعرفك في الشدة واعلم أن ما أخطأك لم يكن ليصيبك وما أصابك لم يكن ليخطئك واعلم أن النصر مع الصبر وأن الفرج مع الكرب وأن مع العسر يسرى الحمد لله brothers and sisters we're continuing with these ahadith that are the fundamental principles of the deen in other words these 40 hadith that Imam al-Nawawi has compiled in his Arba'in it specifically focuses on those narrations that if you take any single one of them they are a major principle and rule to live by so This hadith that we've reached, hadith number 19 from the 40 hadith. Imam uh, Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, very famous scholar, wali of Allah Azza wa Jal, he says about this hadith that يَنْبَغِي لِكُلِّ مُؤْمِنٍ أَنْ يَجْعَلَ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مِرْآةَ قَلْبِهِ وَشِعَارِهِ وَدِثَارِهِ that it is appropriate and it's, it's, it's necessary for every believer that he should make this hadith and place this hadith as like a mirror in front of his heart. And he should make it his shi'ar, yani what he lives by. Your shi'ar is what you live by. Mir'atu qalb, yani something that you keep at your forefront all the time. Waditharihi, and something that you keep as a covering and you always it's with you. You never leave home without it. فَيَعْمَلْ بِهِ فِي جَمِيعِ حَرَكَاتِهِ وَسَكَنَاتِهِ And he should implement this hadith in every movement and in every place that he goes and every place that he sits. حَتَّى يَسْلَمَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ Until he is safe in this dunya and in the akhirah. وَيَجِدَ الْعِزَّةَ فِيهِمَا بِرَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ And that he finds honor by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is this hadith? That's such an important hadith that it is being mentioned that we should keep this hadith like a mirror, like in our, in our forefront. We should keep this hadith as what we live by. And the hadith is narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu who said, I was sitting behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam on the camel or on the horse one day while we were traveling. So you can see that the, how close he was in vicinity, how close he was in proximity to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu And who is Ibn Abbas? He is the cousin of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu The son of Abbas 
radiyallahu anhu, the, the, the paternal uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he's saying one day, I'm just going with the Prophet sallallahu and I'm riding behind him, you know, on the horse or on the camel, and he says, Ya Ghulam, Ya Ghulam is, oh my son, Ya Bunay, Ya Ghulam, Ya Bunay, oh my boy, Inni u'allimuka kalimat, I wanted to teach you some very important words. I want to teach you something very important. Protect Allah and Allah will protect you. Protect Allah and you will find Him wherever you may turn. When you ask, ask only of Allah. And when you seek assistance and help, seek assistance and help only from Allah. وَأَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَىٰ أَن يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ And know that if the entire world gets together to benefit you with something, they will not be able to benefit you until it is written for you. Until Allah has destined it for you. Until Allah has meant it for you. وَإِنْ اجْتَبَعُوا عَلَىٰ يَضُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ And if the whole world gets together to try to harm you, لَمْ يَضُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ Then they will never be able to harm you. If the whole world gets together to harm you, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not written it for you, they will never be able to harm you. رُفِعَةِ الْأَقْلَامُ وَجَفَّةِ الصُّحُفِ The pens have been lifted and the scrolls are dried. And in a continuation of this hadith, اِحْفَظِ اللَّهَ تَجِدُهُ أَمَامَكَ Protect Allah azza wa jal and He will be in front of you. Remember Allah in good times and He will remember you in bad times. And know that that which has missed you would have never hit you. And that which missed you would have never hit you. And know that along with uh, uh, along with that with uh, the victory comes with patience. And if you want victory, if you want help from Allah Ta'ala, you have to be patient. And openings and relief, it comes immediately along with the hardship. We're going to explain, inshallah. And with difficulty comes ease. So you can see what a powerful... And what a beautiful hadith this is. And this is what has been mentioned by the shaykh here, where he says, you should make this hadith, you should put it as a, you know, always keep it in the for forefront of your heart. And you should always make this what you live by. And you should keep it like as a covering, that you never leave anywhere and go anywhere without it. And in every aspect in every situation in your life you should keep this hadith in your forefront brothers and sisters this hadith what I think in my, in my opinion unless a person has some um, hormonal imbalance or other very serious condition that might be difficult to but in a normal normal circumstance I believe that this hadith is like the cure to all anxiety and all depression and all worry and all like if a person really internalizes this hadith if a person really really internalizes this hadith a perfect person will not go through anxiousness
You're not, you will not go through severe. Everybody's anxious. Everybody gets depressed. Everybody gets down. But to the extent that you become non-functional, to the extent that you become incapacitated, you're, you can't function. You can't get out of the house. You can't be normal. Right? As long as a person keeps this hadith in his forefront, inshallah, this will not happen to you. And I find this within my own self. I'm overtaken by severe anxiety. Or I'm apprehensive about something. Or I'm depressed about something. I read this hadith and I, I reflect upon it. And I internalize these words. And I feel that slowly, slowly, that the grips of that anxiousness, the grip of that depression slowly starts loosening up. What are these realities? Let's inshallah look into it. What is this? First and foremost, who is the narrator of this hadith? As we mentioned that before the beginning of every hadith, we mentioned who is the narrator of the hadith. Because in the narrator, there is the key to understanding that hadith. We mentioned that before. Why do the, why do the scholars mention? And we said this before last week as well. Why do, the, why do the scholars mention like An Abi This hadith is narrated by Abu Huraira that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said this. This, this hadith is narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud that the Prophet ﷺ said this. Or Sayyidina Umar narrates that the Prophet ﷺ said this. So the key is one the very why that's mentioned, very one very obvious thing is because he's the one who heard it and he's the one who's narrating it. That's common sense. Everybody knows that, right? Everybody knows the reason why they say that though, because Abu Huraira heard it, Abdullah ibn Abbas heard it. Abdullah al Masood heard it and he's narrating it as he heard it, but there's another thing behind it. The key to understanding the hadith is actually in this. You understand? And we mentioned previously that the narrator, every single narrator, every single Sahabi had his own personality, they had their own speciality, they had their own attitudes, they had their own qualifications. They had their own fada'il and virtues. So when we see certain ahadith, for example, that are being narrated by a particular companion, I mentioned last week that Huzaifa radiallahu anhu, he narrates a hadith. Do you know who is Huzaifa? Huzaifa radiallahu anhu was sahibu sirri rasulillah. He was the carrier of the secrets of the Prophet. And he was the one who would say, Oh, Huzaifa, oh, everybody asks about the good things. You're always asking about negative things. You're always asking about bad. What's going to happen on a day of judgment? Tell me about Dajjal. Tell me about this. Tell me about... There's some people who love that, you know. Tell me about stories about Dajjal. Tell me about the signs of the day of judgment. So I said, Oh, Huzaifa, why? Why are you always asking that? So he said that, I want to know about the evils so I don't fall into them. I want to know about the signs so that I can protect myself from them. So then you see that all the ahadith that are narrated mainly about the Day of Judgment, you'll see that they're narrated by Huzaifa radiallahu anhu. So there's this relationship between the matan of the hadith, the subject of the hadith, and the narrator. So here, we're talking about Abil Abbas, Abdullah ibn Abbas. So we have Abbas Sr., Abbas Jr. and then Abbas Jr. after that. So Abdullah ibn Abbas, this is Abdullah, he is the son of Abbas. 
And he is also the father of, ba of Abbas, meaning he named his son Abbas. Abdullah is his name. And Sayyidina Abbas, who is the uncle of the Prophet wasallam, a senior uncle of the Prophet wasallam. Uh, this is his son. And it says here in his uh, biography, a bit short biography, Habrul Ummah. He was the greatest scholar of this Ummah. Wa Bahrul Hikmah. And he was the ocean of wisdom. Tarjuman al Quran. He was the interpreter, the Mufassir of the Quran. And Abu al Khulafa. And he was that from him, the progeny. The Abbasi Khulafa came from him. It was Ibn Abbas. He was born before the Hijrah, three years before the Hijrah. And it is narrated that the Prophet made dua for him. Oh Allah, give him the knowledge and the deep understanding of the deen. And, O oh Allah, give him the knowledge of the tafsir of the Qur'an. In another narration, it says, Allahumma allimhu al-hikmata wa ta'wil wa ta'wil al-Qur'an. O Allah, teach him the wisdom and the, and, and the meanings of the Qur'an. In another narration, it says that the Prophet made dua for him, Allahumma barik fihi, Allahumma anshur minhu. O oh Allah, bless him. O oh Allah, spread the deen through him. وَجَعَلْهُ مِنْ عِبَادِكَ الصَّالِحِينَ O oh Allah, make him from your righteous servants. Allahumma zidhu ilman wa fiqhan. Oh Allah, increase him in knowledge and in understanding. Waqala Masruq, one of the great tabi'een, he said, Adraktu khamsa mi'atim min as-sahaba. I met 500 companions of the Prophet. This is a tabi'i. A tabi'i is a student of the sahaba. So this Masruq was a very famous tabi'i from Sham. He says, Adraktu khamsa mi'atim min as-sahabati. I met 500 companions. إِذَا خَالَفُوا إِبْنَ Abbas, لَمْ يَذَلْ لَمْ يَزَلْ يُقِرُّهُمْ يُقَرِّرُهُمْ حَتَّى يَرْجِعُوا إِلَى مَا قَالْ And it says that Ibn Abbas عنه, if there was any of those 500 companions that would go against Ibn Abbas on an opinion, he would continue to speak with them and debate with them until they would agree with him. In other words, he was at such a level of knowledge, you would have 500 people that said, no, 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 we don't agree with you. He would continue to give them knowledge and give them proof and give them evidences until there would be nobody amongst them that would be able to dis disagree with him. You can imagine, you got 500 Sahaba that are saying, no, we don't agree with you. He said, okay, you don't agree with me? What about this? And what about this? And what about this ayah? And what about this hadith? And what about... He would continue, يعني, لم يزل يقررهم they would continue to give taqreer and explain until they would accept what he says. Masruq says that when I would see him, I would say he is the most forbearant and patient and humble of people. And when he would speak, he would, I would say he is the most eloquent of people. And when he would, he would, he would explain, I would say he is the most knowledgeable of people. SubhanAllah. Who these people were, can you imagine?
He narrates 1,666 hadiths. In other words, he was responsible for 1,666 narrations that it came from him. He was the one who heard it and he was in charge of those ahadith, meaning he was the authority of those ahadith. And the tabi'een, then they got from him. He died and passed away in Ta'if and he was buried there in the year 68 Hijri in the Khilafat of Abdullah bin Zubayr. And the son of Ali ibn Abi Talib from another wife, Ibn al Hanafiya, he prayed his janazah. And then when he prayed his janazah, he said, He said, The great scholar, the great righteous, godly scholar of this ummah has passed away. وَقَدْ اسْتَأْذَنَهُ صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى يمينه حين شرب فقال له أتأذن لي أن أعطي الأشياخ So one time the Prophet was sitting in a gathering and they had milk so Abu Bakr and Umar was sitting on his left and Sayyidina Ibn Abbas Abdullah was sitting on his right so you can imagine I mean amongst the Sahaba you would have people that didn't drink or eat for days and then one bowl of milk would come in and everybody would share it. So they were sitting like in this gathering. So the Prophet had this milk and Abdullah ibn Abbas was on his right and the, and the, and the etiquette and the adab is that you go from the right. You give from the right. And Abu Bakr and Umar were sitting here who were elders, I mean. So he tells Abdullah ibn Abbas, he says, Oh Abdullah, would you allow me, would you permit me that I give to the sheikhs first, to the elders? So what did, and he's a, he, you can imagine he's like 10 years old or something. He's a young boy. So what does he say? Wallahi la minka ahada. He says, I will not give anyone preference over what I gain from you. That milk that comes from your hand, your milk that your lips touch that, and then I'm going to go and give it to somebody else, let them be sheikhs. Yani if you are giving me the option that I have, the, you know, I have that, and so this wasn't against respect. In other words, he had that, he was entitled to take that. And it shows that the intense love that Abdullah ibn Abbas had for the Prophet and the attachment that he had for the Prophet, he would not prefer that over anything. In other words, I know I have a lot of respect for them and they are sheikhs, but I have greater respect for you. I have greater honor for you. And what I receive from you, I can never ever be able to replace that. Imagine to receive milk from the lips and from the hand of the Prophet ﷺ. No matter who that is in this world, I will not give anybody preference over you, O Messenger of Allah. So he placed... Uh, the bowl in his hand and he drank first and then they passed it on. Just showing the intelligence of this boy and how he answered. He didn't say, oh yeah, give me the milk, I'm really hungry. You know, he didn't give an answer like that. But what did he say? La wallahi la minka ahadan. Yani it's so eloquent. I cannot, by Allah, I cannot give preference to anyone over what I receive from you, O Messenger of Allah. 
He didn't say, oh man, I'm hungry. Give me the milk first. You know, he didn't say anything like that. But he said, I cannot give preference over anyone above you. Meaning you're more Mubarak. You're more deserving that I can give anybody else preference over you. So you can imagine that he was a young man. And this is the, 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 the secret of this hadith is this, that this hadith, which is the foundation of faith and is the foundation of a person's iman, and this is the foundation of what your outlook should be in this world. What is your outlook in this world? What do you believe? Do you believe that circumstances just happen out of nowhere? Things just happen, right? There's no order in this universe. There's no system. There's no order. Things just happen, helter-skelter. It's like, you know, you just throw the cards up in the air and wherever it lands, joker and queen and king and whatever, you know, you get it. There is a order and there's a divine plan in whatever is allotted and whatever is given to every single individual. And there's a, there's a hikmah and there's a divine wisdom in the way that, the, that this whole world plays out and the, the cards that are dealt to us. You understand what I'm saying? Those cards that are dealt to us, we don't know it, but the dealer knows. We don't know, but the dealer knows. And the dealer has a plan. And that plan we can never know. But is it just like, you know, as, uh, you know, some people, this is the, a big man sitting in the clouds rolling the dice? Is that what, is that what this all, all of this is? That there's a big man sitting in the clouds on a chair and he's rolling the dice, whatever happens with Musa and whatever happens with, you know, uh, Abdullah, whatever happens with so-and-so, and just rolling the dice, whatever comes for that person. You know, okay, let's see, uh, you know, who's going to die today? Roll the dice, you know. Oh, you know, it's going to be this guy, you know, unlucky guy, you know. It's your lucky day. You, you, you don't have to die today. Is this what it's all about? Subhanallah. Allah Azza wa says this in the Quran. That, that if we wanted to, any hafaz we have here? That if we wanted to play a game with humankind, I would have kept it to myself. If I wanted to play with your lives that I'm just rolling the dice with everybody's life, I would have kept it to myself. Why should I play with people's lives as the Greek mythology, you know, you got gods sitting up in the clouds and throwing a thunderbolt at Hercules and another thunderbolt at, you know, Dionysius and God knows Perseus and all these other, right? God's playing around. Oh, let's get that guy. Yeah, he's half God, you know. He, he got, you know, his dad was married to a woman and then, I mean, weird, weird types of things. You could see them playing with the lives of human beings. Is that what this is all about? There's a big man, Naudhu Billah, and he's sitting in the clouds and he's just throwing a lightning bolt on, you know, and making situations in people's lives for fun. That if we intended to play with the lives of humanity, 
I would have kept the play for myself. Yani, God who is all wise, is He going to play with the lives of human beings? Give them destinies and roll the dice and make this person, you know, jump off a bridge and make this person like he can have a nice, you know, uh, drama and a show that he can watch? Na'udhu Billah. And he says, if that was the case, I would have kept it to myself. Because this is, a, this is people have discussed this. Philosophers believed this. And this is what shocks me. Dhaqsab is like, you know these, these, uh, these philosophers, the philosophers, Marcus Aurelius and the Stoics, and they, they actually believed that, you know, gods, they couldn't explain destiny. But they believed it. This is amazing. They believed in destiny. Why do you believe in destiny? Because it cannot be that this whole universe is just things are happening on its own. There is a greater power that's doing it of an order. But their, their, their um, reasoning was that it makes, it doesn't, it, it's so much out of sense that the only thing that makes sense is the gods are just playing with us. Yeah, this is exactly what they believe. Despite their, like, yani, I, I, I think about the philosophers. Marcus Aurelius and, you know, uh, Pythagore um, Pythagoras and Aristotle and Socrates and, and, you know, all of these amazing philosophers. But when it came to the gods, like, how can you not... And that's why the, the beginning of Sharul Aqaid, that Allah Ta'ala is Hayyun, Alimun, Qadirun, Sami'un, Basirun, Mutakallimun, you know? Like, how can this, you know, great designer... Who is, whose wisdom is infinite. And then you have the 99 names, which is mind-boggling. The 99 names of Allah Azza wa Jal is just something that's beyond. Like, He's Hakam, Al-Adl. He is the just. Just, you know, when, whenever you see things, why is there children suffering in the world? Bas, this one name of Allah Azza wa Jal, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most merciful, the most gracious, the Adl. He is the just. When he is these things, then even though you don't know what is happening there, you have to believe that the name of Adl can never ever do injustice. Allah Ta'ala is not unjust to his slaves. So then when you see something happening, he has done injustice, he has done injustice, you must negate that thought because that goes against his 99 names. That goes against his names and his attributes. It cannot be. Rather, you should say that my mind is deficient because I cannot grasp its reality. Don't say he is deficient. Say my mind is deficient because I cannot grasp this reality. There's a building behind this building. And a tractor, and we make a deal and that, uh, with a construction company that the next building, mashallah, we're going to make it brand new. So some tractor and... and, and, and uh, tow trucks and tractors and, you know, garbage trucks come and a bulldozer comes and it bulldozes that entire building. And we're like, Astaghfirullah. We don't know what's going on. Astaghfirullah, they're bulldozing. This is part of the masjid. They're bulldozing this place. The kids are reading Quran here. Astaghfirullah, curse be on you. Who's the one who's doing this? Then what are you talking about, man? You don't know the plan. And you just see the bulldozers. Remember this always. When you don't know the plan, don't curse the bulldozer. There's another thing to live by. Just thought about it right now. When you don't know the plan, don't curse the bulldozer. 
I need, hey, what are you doing? Stop over my dead body. Hey, man, just chill out, bro. Why are you standing here? Were they going to make this into that $3 million building over here? Oh, oh okay, so they're going to destroy the old and build the new. Yeah, exactly. Get out of the way. You just made a fool of yourself. You get my point? So a lot of times when it comes to when we don't know the plan, we're just making fools of ourselves. We're just throwing rocks at the bulldozer. Standing in front of a bulldozer, you know, like, you know, don't do it, don't do it, what's going on here? And there's so many things, probably, you know, in this whole world, there's so many examples like that. Where we're cursing the bulldozer, but we don't know the plan behind it. So, this hadith, my point was, is that there is an outlook, there is a perspective. For us to first, first and foremost understand this, you need to have a basis that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a, a system. Allah ta'ala has a plan. Just like an engineer or just like a, a construction, you know, like a contractor. There's no contractor that is going to build a building without a plan. And you think that Allah Ta'ala is going to make this whole universe and He's not going to have a plan? What is in the Lawah Mahfuz and what is in the preserved tablet is that plan. Whether you understand or you don't understand, that's besides the point. In the story of Musa and Khidr, you guys heard the story of Musa and Khidr? Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, he was asked one day, can you give me a Quran? Give me a Quran. He was asked one day, Man nas? Oh Musa, who is the most knowledgeable people? He said, Me, of course. It's me, of course. So when Musa salam, said this, he wasn't wrong. The Prophet and the Nabi of that time is the one who is most knowledgeable. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preferred that the utterance and with his tongue he should have made nisbah he should have attributed the most knowledge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he wasn't wrong for amongst mankind he's the prophet of the people he's the most knowledge of the people so Musa was thinking here Allah wanted him to think here the answer should have been Allahu alam Allah is most knowledgeable so he wasn't wrong remember the prophets are never wrong but rather Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, may, may, may have wanted them to look at it from a different perspective. So in the story of Khidr, when he said this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh Musa, go to this such and such place where the meeting of the two, joining of the two seas, Majma'ul Bahrain, the meeting of the two seas, where the salt water and the sweet water, they, make, they meet together. And there, at that juncture, you will find a slave of mine. And he has a knowledge which you do not have. So, Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, he went and he says, La abrahu hatta abluga majma al Bahraini amdiya hukuba. He says, I'm going to continue to go and until I reach this joining of the seas, or I will continue for what we call aeons. I will continue for ages, hukuba. Hukuba is aeons. Yani, 
for millennium. If I have to travel, I'm going to go where my Lord has commanded me to go. The humbleness of Musa salam. Look at the humbleness. He was the most knowledgeable. This first ayah proves that he was the most knowledgeable. Because God said, there is somebody more knowledgeable to you than you. I want you to go there. I will go there, O oh my Lord. And his response was, I will keep walking until I reach where you have commanded me, or I will continue walking for eons, millennium. That humbleness is the first dalil that he was what he said he was. But Allah had another plan. So the story goes on, he eventually, He found there a slave, a special slave from amongst my slaves, yani a servant from my servants. We had given him a special mercy from us. From this we understand that knowledge the, the gifting of knowledge is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. آتَيْنَاهُ رَحْمَةً مِّنْ عِنْدِنَا وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا In other words, without Allah showering His mercy upon someone, a, a person cannot receive knowledge from God. So know that the one who has received knowledge, he is someone that Allah is showering him with His mercy. Because mercy and knowledge go together. Mercy and wrath cannot go together. That is why there's another hadith that says that on the day of judgment, Allah will resurrect the people of knowledge. And Allah will say to them, what do you think I will do to you? He said, Ya Allah, we do not know what you will do to us. He said, I did not put my knowledge in you that I would punish you. He said, go to, the, go to Jannah, I have forgiven all of you. Because Allah's giving of knowledge goes with his rahmah. And here, what does it say? It says an ajeeb thing. So then as he continues, there's an interesting point that I want to bring to your attention specifically in the story. Then I will go to the hadith. Okay? I want you to catch what I'm about to say. The point here is, he starts going with Musa salam, and Musa salam says, Khidr tells him, that you're not going to be able to have patience with me. So let me, let me tell you guys what the story of Khidr and Musa represents. It represents the happenings and the occurrences of destiny. Okay? So now that you've understood that, Khidr tells him beforehand that, Oh Musa, you're not going to be able to have patience. You're going to see things. And this, this is actually... What, what is being said here by Khidr, it's being said to the, us as an audience as well. That remember that destiny and what you see in this world, you cannot have tolerance. You cannot, if you don't have patience, you're not going to be able to understand the happenings out there. If you're trying to follow along the occurrences of destiny, you're not going to be able to have patience. Do you understand? Because he was, Musa was meant to become a, the handiwork of destiny with Khidr. Khidr salam, is the instrument of the manifestation of destiny. 
Dr. Sub, listen to what I'm saying. I want you to follow what I'm saying here. This came to me last week when I was reading Surah Kahf. This is a, this is a drama. This is a, 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 a play. A real play. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are the onlookers. This story is about us. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, wanted it to play out with Musa and Khidr. Listen to what I'm saying. So Khidr tells Musa, you being with me and I am the instrument of the manifestation of God's destiny, you're not going to be able to have patience. Allah made one human being on this earth to be the witness of the instrument of the manifestation of destiny. That was Moses. He chose him out of all of creation that he should be a companion of someone who's the instrument of the manifestation of destiny. This was one incident that God wanted it to play out as a play so that we can see something like astounding. But the problem is no normal human being and no normal intellect, only the intellect of a Nabi whose intellect is beyond all human intellect, he would be able to, he was not even able to grasp it. Because that was something that Allah had not meant it for him. When the Prophet was asked, tell me about when is the day of judgment? The questioner does not know more than the one who is being questioned. Or the one being questioned does not know more than the one who is being asked. Right? Or vice versa. In other words, these things of destiny, nobody can come to know the reality of it. But Allah chose one human being to be a witness and a partner in someone who is being used as an instrument of the manifestation of destinies. And Musa represents us, the inquisitive. Now let's follow along. Because it's important to know this before we go into the hadith. Okay, because the hadith has to do with this. Because when you understand this, then the hadith will make pure, perfect sense. Everybody following? Khidr Jan, listen. Khidr, Khidr. Khidr, listen to what Khidr is saying. And Musa was very sincere. Hal May I follow you? In other words, we follow our teachers. Hal Ala an I will follow you on the condition that you teach me something. From that which you have been taught of goodness. And then what did immediately Khidr said? You will never ever be able to have patience with me because what you're about to see, I am the instrument of God's manifestations of destiny on earth. That's who I am. You're not going to be able to see this. This is not for you. This is not of a weak of heart. Okay? And then he explains why. This is all of us. Musa alayhi salam represents his questions, his inquisitiveness. His, it, it represents all of us. But Khidr says why. 
How can you have patience with something that you have no knowledge about? Oh, atheist who says there is no God because you see difficulty in this world and you see sicknesses in this world and you see famine in this world. How can you understand it when you have no knowledge? How can you? This is, this is a play. The play is talking to all humanity. Musa was selected from amongst all of creation to partner with the instrument of the manifestation of destiny. And that instrument is telling him, I'm going to warn you, you're going to see some, you know, parental guidance is suggested. And it's not going to be pretty, and you're not going to be able to have patience on it. But let me tell you, how are you going to have patience on something that you cannot encompass? Your, two, your, 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 your capacity is not at that level that you can encompass this. This is teaching us destiny. This is the answer to all the atheists and all the people who have shut. Why is there famine? And why, 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 why? This is all the why. You're not going to be able to have patience. You're not going to be able to answer. How will you have patience when your small, you know, you know pea-sized brain cannot even fathom the greatness and in this story it's 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 amazing when khidr and musa was on the ship and they were going khidr said to musa there was a bird that bird took one peck into the river he said musa do you see that bird how he pecked into the put his beak into the ocean he said yes he said my knowledge and your knowledge and the knowledge of all creation is not equal to that peck and that drop that that bird took in its beak in comparison to the ocean. My knowledge and your knowledge and the knowledge of all creation, that is what the bird took in its beak. And Allah's knowledge, which is la mutanahi, is comparing in comparison, which is no comparison. In comparison, but no comparison. Okay, continue on. قَالَ سَتَجْنِنِي إِنْشَاءَ اللَّهُ صَابِرًا Musa was beautiful. Musa was so beautiful. He was such a beautiful human being. You're going to find me, inshallah, to be patient. وَلَا أَعْصِيلَكَ أَمْرًا I'm not going to disobey you. I won't disobey you, I promise. Okay. قَالَ فَإِنِ اتَّبَعْتَنِي If you're going to follow me, فَلَا تَسْأَلْنِي عَنْ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى أُحْدِثَ لَكَ مِنْهُ ذِكْرًا Then don't ask about anything until I tell you about it. Back to us. If God does something, don't say why you did this. Until I tell you. And He will tell us on the Day of Judgment. Do you see? I'm going back and forth. Follow along. They went. Until they came on a ship and these people, a little bit of background and tafsir of this is when Khidr and Musa were coming on the ship of these two people, the people on the ship were pious people. They were believers. And when they saw Musa and Khidr, they said, Subhanallah, look at these awliya. These are beautiful. Look at this Musa. Musa 
Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَلْقَيْتُ عَلَيْكَ مَحَبَّةً مِّنِّي Allah Ta'ala says that Allah had thrown on his face such a tajalli that anybody who would see Musa would fall in love with him. Except Fir'aun. He was the most worst khabith. May Allah protect us. Allah Ta'ala threw on the face of Musa such a beauty, such a light, that anyone who would see him would fall in love with him. Who was Musa? I, Musa is just, subhanAllah. So they said, we'll, we'll pay you. Just get us to the cross, ferry. You know that he's a ferry. Pay you? Hazrat, how can this be? This, this, this is impossible. No, we're not taking money from you. It's an honor. Such pious people come on our ship. Today, there's nobody more honorable than us. Come. And... You know, do do do. They're going in the ship. Khidr just finds an axe somewhere. He starts making a hole on the bottom of the ship. Nice way to give thanks for, you know, the free ride. Imagine you give a person a free ride and he starts taking a sledgehammer and busting your windows inside your car. You give a free Uber ride to somebody and he takes a hammer and he starts breaking your windows. That's pretty crazy. You know, somebody, you give him a free ride and he takes a hammer and starts breaking your windows. You know, Musa alayhi salam, get ready for this. He starts making a hole on the bottom of the ship. So Musa alayhi salam said, You're trying to make a hole in the ship and drown everybody? Then what does he say? This is, the, this is what I want you to focus on. You have done an act which is horrendous. Look at these words. Musa salam is the spokesperson of humanity. This God, you want me to believe in this God? This God is killing children. I've heard atheists, atheists say it day and night. It's horrendous. This God is killing children. This God is starving people. This God is the cause of all these wars. He's horrendous. Na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah. Musa is saying, لَقَدْ جِئْتَ شَيْئًا imra." Allah made Khidr السلام, to become the manifestation of His command so that we can say whatever we want to Him so it doesn't go back to Him. So that we understand it through Him. You can... Say, Khidr, you're doing something horrendous. He's not God. I can do Nahyan in Munkar. I can prohibit him. I can object against him. He's a person. He ain't God. But Allah wanted him to be the instrument of that, to teach us. We consider what we're about to now learn. Horrendous acts being done. Destiny is horrendous. It's atrocious. You follow me? So we're going to continue. What did you say? This is horrendous? Didn't I say to you, you're not going to be able to have patience with me? Didn't I tell you? Don't take me into account because I forgot. I forgot. Musa was so humble. He's so humble. 
Okay, don't be hard on me, Ustadji. Ustadji, don't be hard on me. Don't put me in a difficult, don't put me in a hard place. I'm trying to learn here. But you're going to be making holes in ships and drowning people. I got to say something. This is horrendous. So they continue to go. This is crazy. Well, he's, he went and he found a child playing. He cracked his neck and killed him right on the spot. He just pulled his neck, cracked his neck and killed him on the spot. Did you kill a you kill an innocent child? Did you kill an innocent child for no, no sin that it has committed? You have committed a very great sin. The first one he said, you have done something horrendous. And the second one he said, you have done something evil. The problem of evil, you know. And the problem of destiny and evil. See, he's, he's Musa I'm saying, this manifestation of this destiny, this is evil. Do you guys see what's happening here, Dr. Saab? The play that Allah wants us to see. This, this story is a key to understanding destiny. For us to be able to tolerate, even though we cannot tolerate, as he said, because how can we tolerate something that our knowledge is limited? But we were shown three incidents here through Musa, through Khidr, who is the instrument of manifest manifesting Allah's destinies, and Musa, who is our representative, that he's stopping him at every juncture. And saying and calling it for what it is, apparently. One is horrendous. One is an atrocity. And a great evil to kill an innocent child. Without a doubt, it is. And apparent, apparently. Apparently. I didn't I tell you, Moses, you're not going to be able to tolerate it? Okay. Then if I even ask one more question, then you can leave me. You can just, just leave me. You don't need to just go. You've reached the fullest excuses now from me. I've reached my last. Three strikes, you're out. Then I have my, my second strike, one more, and I'm out. Okay. They came to a village, and they're hungry, and they're tired, and they're exhausted. And they came to the people of this town, and they said, Could you please give us a place to stay? We're, we're, we're travelers, please. We've been traveling for days. Water, food, something. No, no, you guys are weird. We don't know who we're just we're strangers. We're not going to let any strangers stay in our town. Get out of here. So while they're leaving this town, Khidr saw that there's a, a wall. It's about to fall down. 
and then he's fixing it and he's putting mortar around it and just putting mud around it and going into you know well and getting it and cementing it and mortaring it and fixing it and half their day was spent in that and Musa is saying what on earth is going on what is what, what are you doing here we're getting kicked out I'm hungry I'm you know we're we're traveling here what what is what is with you you could have at least said, I'm going to fix your wall, give us some money so we could go buy food at least. This is a separation between me and you, Moses. I will tell you the interpretation of what you did not have patience upon. From this we understand that all the things in this world that we see, that we cannot understand, that we cannot have patience upon, that we cannot fathom with our deficient intellects, there is a ta'wil behind them. There is a reason behind them. There is a purpose behind them. There is an objective behind them. There is a divine wisdom behind them. Sa'unabbi'uka. How can something have an interpretation if it does have no point. Meaning, everything that happened here which seems so pointless, so evil, so horrendous, so atrocious, every one of those things that seem horrendous and atrocious and evil to us that's happening in this world and in this destiny has a ta'wil. And we will be told, just like Moses was told, and here was the Prophet ﷺ statement, Rahimallahu Musa. May Allah have mercy upon Musa. If he would have just had a little bit more patience, we would have learned so much more. He says, As for the ship, that ship belonged to pious people, hardworking people, poor people that they would, whatever they would earn that day, they would take home to eat. Whatever they would fish, they would take that, they would sell in the market, and they would get food for their family. And behind them was a king that would send his tax collectors and strip them and take taxes from them for everything they earned that day. So, I made the hole in the ship. So when the tax collector came and saw the junkie ship and it's all tore up, he said, these people ain't going to make no money. They haven't made anything for themselves. What are they going to make for us? Leave them. And they were able to preserve that money and eat and come home and live comfortably. And the tax collector le left them, seeing their damaged ship, thinking that they're not going to be able to bring anything. You understand? Let's just say somebody sits in your Uber. And some Khalifa of Khidr Khidr to he takes a hammer, he's just breaking all your windows. Somebody calls a taxi or an Uber, and then the guy is a, a mugger. He broke all your windows. You're like, damn that guy, he broke my windows. And while you're going with your broken windows in your taxi, a mugger, you know, he calls you, flags you. A mugger. You know muggers? They put a knife to your throat 
I said, give me all you got. So the mugger, he flags you. He stops. He sees the broken windows. He said, nah, man, go. You ain't got nothing. You got a, you got a ghetto car. What, what, what are you going to give me? You understand? Yeah. That day, your life got saved by the guy breaking your windows. The windows cost you 100 bucks, whatever, 200 bucks, but your life is more expensive than that. You could have lost your life. These are those things. My God, why is this happening to me? And we get into this kind of state of we're so like, Imam Malana Rumi said, he said, you see this carpet is green. Everybody see this green carpet? He said, you are like that ant on this green carpet right here. And there's such an amazing design here. This is not that much amazing. Let's go here, this part. This part is not that intricate. But let's just say you're on this green part. And it's such a beautiful design. We can see the design. It's a flower, and then the vines, and then the flower, and then the vines. And you're this ant on this green part of the carpet. And then what happens? You're saying, man, this whole world is green. The whole world is green. Whereas you don't know that there's a whole intricate design that is happening here. There's a whole intricate design. Sometimes we become like that. We don't know the intricacies of God's destiny. And then it continues. As for the young boy, he was of pious parents. And that boy was going to grow up and force his parents into kufr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meant that it be, he be taken away. And Allah blessed them with better than that so that they would not have to suffer through the kufr of that child and through him imposing what he believes upon them. And that mother, they say, Imam Tanvi says, he said, that woman became the mother of Anbiya. That after that child was taken away, she gave birth to a woman, uh, a, a girl who then became the mother of Anbiya from Bani Israel. Allahu Alam. Yani Allah Ta'ala takes away something from you which you think it's so good you think it's so beneficial and it's extremely harmful and destructive for you. And as for the wall, right? He fixed the wall. That wall, under the wall, pious parents had buried the treasure. And if that wall would have fallen, the treasure would have been exposed and the people would have looted it. But Khidr, he placed that wall in the right place so that it will come out and it would be known at its appropriate time so that when they are of age, they can take that and it would benefit them. In other words, it says here, وَمَا فَعَلْتُهُ أَنْ أَمْرِي I didn't do any of these things from my own accord. ذَلِكَ تَأْوِيلُ مَا لَمْ عَلَيْهِ This is the interpretation of that which you have no understanding regarding. You have no patience upon. And how could you have patience over something that is beyond you that you cannot fathom. With that being said, in this hadith that is coming, I wanted to focus on the last part of it. That which has missed you would have never come to you. And that which came to you would have never missed you. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ 
So, in other words, Rufi'atil aqlamu wa jaffatil suhuf. The pens have been lifted and the scrolls are dried. In other words, this plan and this design of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is so intricate and it is so detailed that when we see this universe and everything that is in it, and we cannot fathom it, right? Bring your mind back to the story of Khidr alayhi salam. And then know that nothing in this world, no matter how horrendous or atrocious or evil it might be, there is a divine wisdom and a purpose behind it. Inshallah, I think this was important for as a tamheed, that we understand good and evil in matters of destiny. Inshallah, in the next week, then we'll go. Once you have that as a basis, right? That the belief of good and evil destiny is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once you've understood that, now when you go into the hadith, you'll be able to understand the rest of it. Inshallah, next week we will then go in the actual dars of it. This just came by the way. I think if we don't understand this, this play, which is a real, is a real play, I'm saying is like, it's something that Allah Ta'ala wanted us to witness. Something that is happening. That's, that's correct what you're saying, Dr. Sahib. That wasn't my intention of mentioning the story of Khidr. My intention was is that in this hadith, it's talking about what Allah has written for you, what has Allah has written against you. It's, a pers- it's correcting your perspective that in this world when you live, right? this hadith is correcting our perspective that in this world that we're living, you understand? What should be our perspective? Is our perspective that there's a huge guy sitting in the clouds throwing lightning bolts on people or throwing the dice on who's going to get sick and who's going to die and who's going to get destroyed or who's going to get successful, who's going to become a millionaire and who's going to become a a pauper? No, there is a there is a design and there is an objective and there is a you know wisdom in behind everything that's happening. Once you've understood that, what is meant for you would have never missed you. What missed you would have never meant for you. So. Yani, un- having that um, framework of iman first, then coming into this hadith. You understand what I'm saying? So I wasn't meaning to link this with the ta'wil of Sayyidina Ibn Abbas. That could be true as well. That Allah Ta'ala gave him the understanding of the ayat of the Qur'an. And this is an interesting thing that if this is the case, then it is not necessary that every single ayat the Prophet should have explained to him. Do you get my point? Because he's being then ex- explained or it's be- becoming munkashif to him divinely. This is an important point. That it's not necessary that this is being explained to him. Every ayah has to have been explained 
by the Prophet ﷺ directly. No, you're still, you're, you're, you're connecting all of this back to Ibn Abbas. That was a separate thing. It's unrelated to what I'm talking about. You understand what I'm saying? But that brings to mind this point. You understand? That Sayyidina Ibn Abbas was made, dua was made that, oh Allah, give him the knowledge of ta'wil. So if any ayah of the Quran comes to him, he will know the meaning of it. Okay, now this is unrelated. And mashallah, you made that link. My intention was not to make a link between Ibn Abbas knowing ta'wil and the ta'wil that's being discussed in the story of Khidr. These were unrelated things. I don't, I didn't, there was no intention of linking the two. You made a link, mashallah, that was, you know, coincidental. I didn't make that intention. My, my point is, here is talking about the pens have been lifted and the scrolls are dried. Destiny is done. The circumstances that come upon us, is our, our, these are set circumstances. Right? Our actions, right, we are given ikhtiyar, we are given a choice to make choices in this world. Right? And based on the choices that we make, we are either rewarded or punished and whatever comes to us of khair is because of our decision and our choice. Whatever comes to us of you know, uh, you know, evil, that is because of our own choice. God does not force or, uh, uh, upon us. He knows about it before it happens, right? But that's because his knowledge is infinite. That does not affect that he forced us. But because God's knowledge is infinite, he sees the future just like he knows it in the past and there's no past or future for him. My point is, once you understand this very important point, that in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, our belief is that there is a great designer, there is a hikmah and a wisdom in the entire universe. That if you don't realize and understand that, you will always be in conflict with your existence. It never goes away. You can deny God, it'll never, never go away. The only time it'll go away until shaitan pushes you to commit suicide. And he got you exactly where he wanted you. That is why you don't think about it. You just think about Allah's 99 names. That Allah is perfect. Allah is just. Allah is merciful. Allah Ta'ala has wisdom which is infinite. That is beyond our imagination. Bring your mind back to the story of Khidr And know that there is things in this world that I can never understand and I'll never know. Otherwise, you can say, well, I don't believe. Okay, you, you don't believe in it. Don't go away. Go ahead. Don't believe in it. Don't believe in God. Circumstances don't go away. Wars don't go away. Suffering doesn't go away. By you, it's like, oh, I don't believe in God no more. Yeah, the cold don't go away. You're still cold. You can close your eyes as much as you want to close your eyes. God don't go away. Even though you close your eyes to make him go away. Like, for example, like, I close my eyes, I don't see anybody. Ah, nobody's here. This is what atheists do, essentially. They're closing their own eyes, but the reality doesn't go away. The reality is still there. It's better to understand it in the way that the, to the prophetic knowledge, to the wisdom. Then when you are you know, able to see it through that lens, you won't be in conflict anymore. This is the reality of taslim and ridha. This, this, a lot of this, the whole objective of this whole thing is bringing up a child. I mean, this, I, I, I made it a little bit more extensive than it should be, this dars. I didn't even go into the hadith yet. I wanted to fill, first build the framework. You kind of made a little bit of far, you made a far uh, connections. 
I didn't, meant, I didn't mean that connection. I'm saying of what is mentioned in this hadith of what missed you would have never hit you and what hit you would have never missed you and things being written and things being already planned and that there's a divine plan and so on and so forth and just understanding that divine plan. That was my objective. That whatever that divine plan, it may seem apparently to be evil. It may seem apparently to be horrendous. It may seem apparently to be atrocious. And all those words that was used, nukra, imra. Those words is the words of humanity. Towards what we see in this everyday world. Towards the manifestations of all the things that we see. But in what you see to be horrendous, there is a divine wisdom even in that. What you see to be evil, there is a divine wisdom even in that. That you cannot fathom. Now, what, has, what was meant for you, know that there was only khair. We're going to get to it. So that's why I'm saying if somebody was not here from the beginning today, you didn't, you didn't get it. And if you're going to be there next week, you didn't get it. If you were here today, if you were here today, you were not here. Ne- you're not going to be here next week. You're not going to get the whole thing. You got to be here. We in the dars in our mashayikh in our durus, if we fell asleep for five minutes, we lost it. You have to be there. Now, when I say the instrument of the manifestation of God's destiny, what are you talking about here? You're not even going to know what the heck that is. Go look up the dictionary. You won't even you won't even get it. Look it up in the dictionary. You won't know. You have to have been there. So I'm just saying is, stay with us. Stay tuned till next episode. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.